This is Beyond the Farm Gate, a show where we shine a light on great Australian stories in agriculture. On the show, you'll hear from farmers who've survived challenges like fire, flood and drought, farmers who run innovative and unique agribusinesses, and farmers who are balancing work and family in rural Australia. You'll be inspired hearing their stories and pick up some insights along the way. I'm your host, Annie Herbert. Alongside me, Matt Hour. Today, we're chatting with Tom Andrews. Tom is the co-founder and CEO of Connected Farms, a telecommunications company dedicated to improving connectivity in rural Australia. In this episode, you'll hear how the rise of ag tech has helped make a difference to over paddock coverage, how farmers are adopting new technology solutions, and what the future might look like for on-farm connectivity. Let's jump in. Firstly, thank you for making some time to join us on Beyond the Farm Gate, Tom. Thank you very much. I'm uh, very pleased to be here. I thought we'd start with you telling us how your connection to agriculture began. Okay. I was uh, born into a dairy farming family over in Scotland. My mum's family are all dairy farmers over in the west coast of Scotland, Ayrshire and places like that. So as a kid, farming was always part of uh, our life. Although my father wasn't a farmer, but he worked on farms. Um, We lived in that agricultural community in the village that I, I grew up in. The farm was, you wouldn't be allowed it today with health and safety, but it was pretty much the kids' playground. And then we were always out there helping, you know, stack bales when it was hay season. A few of us were always keen to help on the farm because we got some pretty good money for helping uh, pick the potatoes up and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's always been through my childhood and, and uh, teens. Uh, agriculture was a, a big part of my life. You know, my first driving experience was, was on an old grey Fergie and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's kind of in the blood, I would say. And do you remember what it was like in terms of like rainfall wise, just for anyone here in Australia trying to compare Scotland with Australia? There's a reason I live in Australia, and that's partly to do with the climate in Scotland. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, so if, if you can think of pretty much the worst Australian winter's day, that's probably about as equivalent to one of our better summer's days over there. <laughs> and that probably leads me on to my next question in what led you to Australia? Australia was an interesting venture for me. I was actually brought over by a company, a UK-based company, who was doing some construction work for Vodafone, picked up a contract with Optus over here. And they were looking for somebody to come and project manage the sort of more rural aspects of that. I just completed the uh, working on the Vodafone Highlands and Islands project in the UK and so sort of laid claim to having a few tricks up my sleeve for regional coverage and, and rural coverage in difficult areas. Initially, it was it was going to be for a project that was going to be around six months, so I seem to have dragged it out a little bit, but uh, <laughs> that's, what, that, that's what brought me here and just absolutely fell in love with the place straight away. It doesn't take many trips out into rural Australia before you go, this is where I want to be. And when was that? How many years ago was that when you first came out? That that was in the, the, the late 90s, so, oh gosh, uh, 96, 97, something like that. Yeah, 97, I think it was, yep. You came out, obviously did some training back in Scotland. What was the qualification that you came out with? 
my qualification is, is, is more in project management. I, I'm a civil engineer. My working background has been always in the telco type industry. I was a sapper, a royal engineer, so I've got some uh, military experience as well. That sort of was combined to give me the skill sets that were needed for the early uh, deployments of mobile infrastructure and communications infrastructure in the UK. Um, so I've never worked here as a practicing civil engineer. I've always been a project manager and, and, and business manager over here. You're a bit of a jack of all trades, really, Tom. Well, project management really is about that. And mm. I've obviously done subsequent training in telecommunications technology, but project management is, is really about solving problems and, and making sure that the facilities are there to solve the problems. And that is particularly applicable in the area of, of, of coverage in, in rural areas. It, it's, it's coming up with innovation to get you through these difficult circumstances. So when you did arrive, you know, in the 90s and you started working here, what was tech or connectivity in agriculture or in regional areas? What did that look like back then? It was essentially Telstra and, and not much else. Telstra were running the CDMA at the time, which had 2G platform, pretty good coverage, combined with a GSM in rural towns. And that was actually not too bad, but... They still had a lot of the the fixed line to houses weren't actually fixed line. They were all radio links. They were using technology like Nortel Proximity One uh, wireless local loop uh, to cover areas and, and local towns and things like that. So it was good, but quite challenged, I would say, would be the best way to put it. However, back then, the requirement was was essentially voice and very little mobile requirement, particularly in those rural areas. There was no appetite at all to cover farmland or anything like that. And and the argument then was cows and sheep don't carry phones, but fast forward to now, and they do. They're all connected. (laughs) It's an interesting transition in that 20 years. We've gone from just very basic voice and pretty much to the house to now needing data over the whole landscape. So from what you've seen since then and over that time, and, you know, you mentioned that we were quite challenged in the connectivity space. Do we still have a problem with connectivity in the bush? And and if so, why is that? We, We do indeed. Several reasons for that. One is the increased demand as ag tech and, and other uh, data use in, in general increases and technology has had an impact on it as well the Telstra had back then was a great platform then they transitioned into 3G and going back about 12-13 years ago there was a a huge outcry in, in, in rural Australia because of the coverage equivalence from CDMA into 3G and I suspect as Telstra over the next two years switches off 3G it moves into the LTE platform, I, I fear that there may be a similar discrepancy between the coverage areas. So that they've had some effect in reducing platforms, although that's been countered by companies like Optus spend a lot more money out there. We've also seen the the MBN. Skymuster, for all its variances and the bad press it gets, actually does a fairly good job of providing internet to domestic in, in, in regional areas, not so good for business platforms. And, and I think it's important in agriculture to remember that that farm is a business 
and it, it probably needs a business grade platform rather than a domestic platform such as the basic SkyMaster. Maybe the business satellite solutions are much better. So, on a day to day basis, what does this look like for a farmer? You know, what challenges are they facing? How is the technology limiting them? In an ag tech sense, obviously depends on on, on the type of farming involved, but. The essential thing is, is collecting the data from the, the field, and a lot of work has been done in that area in terms of IoT. Victoria has a fantastic, the Victorian government have got a good IoT project ongoing. And it's essential to get the data from the field, whether it be, say, in cropping or, or orchards, getting the moisture content from the soils so you can work out your irrigation or your prime planting times, right through to, in the broadacre sense, looking at the nutrients in the soil from sensors and then working out variable rate applications uh, for fertilizers and, and seeding patterns. And actually, it's to communicate the information that's gathered, analyzed, and then sent out, if you like, as a command and control mechanism. So sent direct from the farm office to the tractor that's pulling an air seeder, what the variable rate application is actually going to be and then in the actual paddock, if you've got, you know, say, again, look at two cedars working, making sure that they are machine to machine connected. So we're minimizing any overlap, which is a supplement to the RTK or GPS that they've got on board. The cellular t- or increased connectivity increases the accuracy of that and, and, and minimizes overlay and, and things like that. So it's all really about minimizing the inputs and then at the other end maximizing the outputs tom i want to skip back for a second because you've mentioned cdma which is bringing back a lot of memories of nokia phones which i'm i'm sure is the same for a lot of people listening to the podcast but you touched on personal well domestic level connection and then you said business level connection can you just explain like the the differences in demand between the two because i think i'd just assume that domestic level connection was a similar sort of thing. I think there's a lot of confusion around, particularly the, the MBN products, uh, in particular in satellite areas. Uh, there is quite a stark difference between speed and dedicated service from SkyMaster. SkyMaster and SkyMaster Plus is a contended service, which means uh, there is a, a number of users all using the same bandwidth. And because of that, speeds are slightly slower. So typically, the maximum speeds are 24 megabits a second download and, and, and so on. For business, business satellites, are the beams are less contended. So the, there's uh, more bandwidth available. So you tend to get uh, higher speeds and greater reliability. So you have... For example, your typical speeds are business service can be 30 down, uh, five up, but it has the ability to burst up to 50. So there's quite a difference between the two. There's not much difference in the cellular uh, side of things because really it's just where your coverage footprint is. It's it's more a a commercial on the plans type basis. But unfortunately, in in most rural areas, there's not much difference in cellular because its coverage is so poor. You did mention, obviously, sheep and cattle essentially wearing computers now. And that's is that having a bit of a louder voice to government for needing to fast-track some development in these areas? 
It is, and that's certainly where New South Wales government have got the Smart Farms project going. Queensland are looking at Western Australia's putting money into connectivity. All the state governments and the federal government with projects like the Regional Connectivity Programme, which have been more a step away from the, the mobile black spots, which have been welcome because obviously the mobile black spots tend not to cover a lot of farmland as well. So the, there has been a lot of government push. But there's a, a huge amount of private work going on, particularly in, in the ag tech area. So the tags, animals wear, the, probably I wouldn't describe them as computers, but they are sensors. They monitor the animal's temperature, location. We've got some over in New Zealand that on, on dairy cows monitor their, their pregnancy and, and when they're going to give birth and all that sort of stuff. So these wearables are picking up a huge amount of data from the animals. You've got exactly the same in, in, in the cropping areas where you're monitoring all types of conditions from ground conditions through to the protein contents and moisture contents at harvest through to when the grains are stored in silos. And, and again, in the orchards, you've got the irrigation system set up to exactly manage the amount of water that's delivered depending on the ground moisture content. So these sensors are measuring this huge data that allows decisions to be made. And of course, as we evolve into more automated systems, we'll see AI decisions coming into this as well. So these become more and more autonomous in, in the farm operations. If you could tell us a little bit about the business and what it does to improve over paddock connectivity. Our, our first offering is to review what the existing internet connectivity is like to the, the, the farm office, which is often the farmhouse. And that can be, you know, an, an existing uh, MBN connection or it could be, you know, uh, an alternative solution. Or they may not have a, a workable system that, that's up to the task, in which case we can then provide that. So we've got solutions that we can bring in from our backbone network, uh, which is ever growing. Uh, we can bring that in by microwave or, or long distance radio link. We can actually use satellite as well. We, we have uh, satellite. Uh, solutions. So the first part of the puzzle is making sure there's an adequate uh, internet connectivity to the the farm office, and 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 that really, it, it's if you think of a water supply, you've got to have a really good pipe in and out, and and that's what this is for. It, it really lets the data come in as it's needed. From that, we then look at how we take that coverage out onto the land where it's needed. And that can be a terrestrial network, and by terrestrial I mean towers and, and equipment based on the ground. So we can do private LTE, which is LTE just stands for long-term evolution, and, and at the moment that's somewhere round about in terms of mobile technology, round about 4.8G. We're almost at 5G, but not quite there. And it could also mean private 5G as well. And we can take that coverage over. A, a quite a wide area and we can also use in, in smaller farms or in different circumstances we can use an outdoor wi-fi system that can either repeat or we can use more like a cellular technology with wi-fi above all that we also have connectivity for the sensors in the ground because they, they sometimes a lot of the ag tech sensor providers have not provided for them to be lte connected so we have what's called LoRaWAN which is very low powered, but very wide area. 
and uh, it's it's an excellent means of collecting small amounts of data. It doesn't actually it's it's not any use as a voice channel or anything like that. It's the the small bits of data that come from the sensors that are out there sent in little bursts of packets. So we put all that over the land, and some cases when you start looking at the really big cattle stations up north. To do that as a terrestrial network is completely uneconomic. So we use a lot of satellite technologies there. So we put satellite-powered sensors onto maybe dam infrastructure, cattle mustering areas and so on, so we can actually localise the coverage. And we also do a lot of on-vehicle, on-the-move satellite connectivity because it's a very economic way of, of the coverage being provided where it's needed. So as workers are out there, it can be everything from a very low level, the ability just to send and receive text right through to full voice and data channels and, and gives a lot of a lot more flexibility than just a plain old satellite phone does out there and in many cases a lot more affordable. And we're starting to evolve with some of the larger broadacre uh, farms that because they are so big, terrestrial networks tend to be quite expensive. We're seeing that the satellite on vehicle on the move can actually be used very effectively in them as well. So the point is with Connected Farm is is we don't have a cookie-cutter solution that you come along and you say, we analyse your, your farm completely and there's the size of the farm uh, matters, the topography, whether it's hilly or flat, and also what your actual farming operations are and what the future path into ag tech adoption is as well, because we're always aware that there's there's more ag tech coming in the terms of autonomous vehicles, tractors, and robotics. So when you go up to areas like Bowen in Queensland, where you've got a lot of soft fruit, there's robotics that can actually help pick fruit and stuff like that. So it's been able to make sure that we future-proof on the farm for the next level of ag tech technology as well. So, Tom, do you think there's a gap between ag tech at the pace that ag tech is developing and then connectivity on farm, so farmers being able to implement that ag tech on their actual property? A lot of that has been done currently. They're using uh, technology like uh, USB devices to take the almost manually uh, out to the machines, but that can cause delays, machines waiting to get upgraded plans and so on and so forth. It also, unfortunately, puts the data at risk. We, we've worked with a couple of growers who have been using systems like that, done very well, but I've also had some horrific stories of, of where they've lost data and, and can't replicate that data because it's it's just gone. And that's particularly the case where on-machine devices are recording the data, so particularly in harvest, in the, the the technology is is actually designed so it's continually uploading uh, that to the the cloud if you like, but that that continual process works with connectivity. Where there's no connectivity, the device on the machine records it, but if that is then lost, that's that data has gone forever, and the data is is needed for so many different things that it, it can be quite catastrophic to lose it. And a farmer's quite conscious of wanting to improve connectivity on their own farm and exploring how they can actually do it. Like, are you surprised by what you learn from them when you head out on farm? My word, yes, yes. They're, uh, 
we, we've gone to farms where they've set up their own Wi-Fi networks, have been amazed at what some farmers have achieved out there. Also, the professionalism in terms of not just in the, the, their attitude towards connectivity for ag tech and, and why they need it, you know, very serious thought going into occupational health and safety, loan worker communication systems and so on and so forth. So often they might not have the solution. That's why we end up talking to them. But they have taken some big steps to improve things. I think a lot of the, the farmer advocacy groups have been doing quite a lot of work uh, with federal and state governments to, to have a push into this area. And the more it's done, the better, really, because it's, we all need farmers for food and uh, fibre. So they, they do need support to, to get the connectivity out there. And yeah, it's quite a big task. Tom, I actually have a question that was submitted by a listener who was very excited when they found out you were coming on the show. And with Elon Musk's recent Starlink release in central Victoria, what might that mean for farmers in that area? At this stage, it's a good alternative to the SkyMuster, particularly in the domestic platform. Uh, I think we've got a little bit to go with the technology. You know, they are in beta testing mode at the moment, and it's very exciting stuff. The thing that's particularly good about their satellite technology is, is the low latency because their satellites aren't as high in the sky as, as the traditional ones. The latency is, is quite good, which means uh, there's less problems with, with running a lot of platforms. So your security platforms into online banking and things like that are, are a lot better. There are a few teething problems with it. Uh, obviously, it's a beta testing, so the number of users are very, very low. So you get very, very high speeds at the moment. So as more users come on, that contention will start to creep in. You have to buy the satellite dish and install it yourself. It can have some issues, particularly as, as the wind rating for the highest performance dish is only rated for 75 miles an hour, which isn't that much compared to some of the winds you get in Australia. But these are teething troubles. They'll certainly fix them. And, and what is exciting in terms of agriculture is what they are talking about. Elon Musk made an announcement the other day about making the services mobile, so on-vehicle, on-the-move type services. They're talking about bigger vehicles, so they're talking about trains and heavy goods vehicles and B-doubles and things like that. But I'm sure that will have applications in agriculture as well. The more of us who try and solve the connectivity in regional areas, particularly in our case over farmland, the more likelihood we are going to get everybody connected. And, and that is really, really important. So that's obviously one really exciting development in technology, Tom. But from your perspective, what do you think that the future might hold for farm connectivity? I, th I think the future is, is very exciting for connectivity. We will see the requirement in ag tech for 5G. That's going to be a marvellous uh, journey for us all. It's not going to look like the 5G that a lot of the buzz is about in cities. The reason for that is infrastructure that's going to be used in cities, such as millimetre wave uh, spectrum and so on, will have incredible high speeds and, and, and huge amounts of data flow. Those spectrum, those frequency ranges, actually don't go very far. They're very range limited. But 5G is certainly for sure going to have a big impact in, in regional comms, particularly as we go into the ability to slice the, the, the services. We'll see more artificial intelligence being used, which will help farmers with a lot of decision-making, a lot of automated decision-making, which will free up a lot of their time. 
So we'll certainly see a lot of those types of activities. We'll certainly see the creation of a lot more data. So edge data centers are going to become more important in the overall piece. So not just for the storage of data created, but the actual analytics of it, and also to enable a lot more autonomous machinery. So the computing power will be nearer to the actual devices that are using it. And that'll just reduce latency to make sure everything's working safely on time and as it should. Also, I, I think as that business growth happens, and in regional areas, obviously agriculture is going to be the driving force behind that, there'll be a lot of benefits. Telehealth will become uh, more sophisticated and, and, and have greater depth of ability to uh, carry quite extensive medical imagery and stuff like that from rural areas, which will save people having to travel the hundreds of thousands of kilometers for, for a lot of treatments and so on. So I, I think it's exciting, the technology and the connectivity that, that's needed primarily in the regional areas for agriculture will actually start bringing in a lot more other benefits as well. It's, it's a holistic connectivity piece, I think, is, is what will happen. It's definitely exciting to think that technology will continue to grow and support the growth of agriculture as well. We do have one final question for you, Tom, before we wrap up, and it might be a little bit left of centre and off the technology topic. When you're out on farm and helping farmers with their connectivity, what boots do you wear? Obviously, if we're doing work on site, so if we're doing terra building, I wear proprietary safety boots. But other than that, it's Aaron Williams. Love it. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Proper answer, Tom. <laughs> points for safety, <laughs> points for style. <laughs> Couldn't really be anything else, really, could it? <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on Beyond the Farm Gate today. We've really enjoyed our chat with you and really can't wait to see what the future holds for Australian ag tech and connectivity and your role within that. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you very much for having me on the podcast. I've really enjoyed it. It's been fun. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Rural Bank. Rural Bank supports the agribusiness community by providing financial services, knowledge and leadership for Australian farmers to grow. If you'd like more information about the topics we've discussed today, as well as links and other resources, we've added those to the show notes for this episode. You can find them by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player now. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm Annie Herbert. And I'm Matt Ayer, and we'll chat to you next time.